0: This episode is brought to you by the generous patrons who supported us over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Kate Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Logan, Punch and Potato, and Jen Solo. Thank you again for helping us to put a little more inspiration out into the world. And now on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another embattled episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. How you doing tonight, my friend? Uh, today is
1: has been pretty good. I'm doing well, and I'm looking good. forward to the next week and next week. I'm on break right now, so that's been great. Yay.
0: I have been not terribly productive, but also not non-productive. I feel like that's like, right in the happy zone for, uh you know, how you should be on a break. I mean, some people would argue, and they'd be wrong, but, you know, just... You know, I, I can even sometimes tend to err on the side of unproductive. You know, sometimes when you get a nice long break, it's nice to just not do a darn thing. That's true, but I also...
1: After enough time, start to get that little, that little guilt itch. You know what I mean? That thing that bothers you. I don't. When you're just trying to play Elden Ring, right? I, <laughs> I, I'm unfamiliar with this. Um, oh well, that's very lucky because I have dealt with this all my life. And no, I you,
0: you would, I do. I just try to ignore it. You,
1: you would days. think that the um, solution, therefore, would be to learn a lesson and to. Just take no. care of your business beforehand, and then play
0: happily. You know, it just but that would require would maturity
1: that. to do that. Uh, which some days I've got it, and other days, well,
0: yeah i I try not to lay too heavy a claim to maturity unless I'm. Dealing with my kids, and then I'm sure they would say I probably have an overabundance.
1: Speaking of but, dealing you know, with kill with ugh, thudah, dealing with kids, <laughs> dealing with, wow, didn't mean to say kill. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Oh boy, and you're a teacher, and I'm a teacher monster indeed. Well, um, I recently wrapped up uh, my second Theros campaign and I ran this from my students and it was part of our, our D and D club. So these are the kids that really get the good stuff, right? The, you know, not just the, the classroom stuff, but like, okay, we're just sitting down and playing
0: now. We are here because we choose to, be. right?
1: Yes. This is like, I want you to actually like this. Yeah. And we went through a couple of people that ended up leaving the group um, because really? it wasn't a good fit. Yeah, it just sometimes it's not a good fit. Like I think of myself as a good GM, and I think that you know I don't know why you would. I don't. <laughs> how prideful, right? I think I'm decent <laughs> at the very least, yeah.
0: and you are decent at the very least. I, <laughs> I am just, at, put that. We all put that on your. You remember those old pizza commercials? What do you want on your tombstone?
1: Right, yeah, yeah.
0: Decent at the very least.
1: Decent at the very least. <laughs> you know, that's not the worst thing you could say about somebody. Um, But uh, I, I started this campaign at the beginning of the year, and it was well the beginning of the school year, that is to say, so like in August. And, okay. And it just finally came to an end last week.
0: Was this what's your what's your typical how how long are your sessions and how often are your sessions?
1: So it's like once a week and it's a, like about 4 hours.
0: Wow, it's weekly?
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I guess it's only no. I guess it's only 3 hours. But yeah. Yeah, it's weekly, every single week. And wow. To be fair, you know, the amount of work that I put into like the roll 20 stuff, you know, when I'm running for our Discord people like for Mm -hmm. inspiration point or for the Monday group, frankly, I'm putting like probably five times more work into those projects. You know, if, if you're going to be, you know, asking people to pay, then you give them a strong product. Right. And so, right. I really try to do my absolute a game when I'm doing the patron game. And then, um, you know, I, I I try to do a good job when it's just like for the sake of the art itself, and and yeah. which is not to say I don't choose to do a good job with the others. It's just I'm going to do a little bit more theater of the mind sometimes, or we're just going to get the hand drawn map real quick. You know, we're oh, yeah. we're going to do some of that sly flourish, lazy GM stuff. Yeah, um, and which and, is good. You know- Right, because it provides some balance to my life, and the and the kids still loved it. They didn't miss any of the those bells and whistles. They could have cared less, and it absolutely or couldn't have cared less. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes. Um. Anyway, so as my reward for doing a good job and bringing them an emotionally satisfying ending, they immediately started telling me about when. Our next game was gonna be, of course, and they immediately put me back to work to start again in another in another campaign. Um,
0: Why don't you make a make one of them sit in the DM chair? Because I'm way better. <laughs> yeah,
1: but that's like, I, not. I know I'm supposed to be like. Building them up and teaching them. But you know what the truth is, is that I do like it. And at the end of the day, I might go, man, it'd be nice to play. But every time I play, I just want to run again. And uh, Don't
0: stifle the growth of our youth,
1: that, Adam. That's true. But, you know, they'll be better served by watching me. <laughs> I know he
0: said with vast <laughs> humility <laughs> I know. I'm you know sorry what? you just sit there and
1: watch all of this you know what I am thinking about doing <laughs> though is having them take like maybe a session and doing like a rotating thing uh, I've done something like this before and this campaign might actually lend itself to that idea because um, we're doing kind of a monster hunter esque game uh, where we're going to kind of have monster of the week uh, then we're going to there you go we're going to kill them we're going to chop them up and turn them into gear and then we're there you go. we're going to do that again the next week and so it'd be really easy to to have a player make a monster and do it so and then just build a little a little build up story around it I would highly recommend, I'm sure you would agree, uh, The Witcher 3 as a way oh, oh, oh. to oh, oh, oh. learn how to introduce a monster. You oh, yeah. You know, to create the sense of anticipation around a monster before we actually get to the part
0: where we fight it. Yep. The All all the detective-y stuff and the, the research, and on top of that, I... I love how uh, in The Witcher, there's well, I shouldn't say all the time, but quite often there's this um, this setup that they do when you're starting to hear about the monster, or um, you know, you're you're getting. Like, the the initial way the quest is presented to you, someone might be talking about a a situation that happened that you later find out, you know, stemmed from a monster's ability. Um, Instead of, like, just somebody saying, hey, you know, a doppelganger did blah, 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 blah. You know, it might be like, hey, someone said they saw me somewhere doing something, and now... You know, I'm arrested. You know, can you go find out what the deal is with this? And as you go investigate, you realize you find out that yeah. it's a doppelganger and you know, you start picking up on clues. And that's a great way to to get to get it not only a cool way to just find out facts about the monster. But to get emotional investment, too. Right. Because you can use that opportunity to tie in the the stories of the people whose lives are being impacted by the presence and actions of the monster or whatever creature. You're and I,
1: I 100% agree with that. And on top of that, there's monsters where sometimes you have to understand the psychology of them or their emotional trials that, that bring them to this point because just whacking them with a sword won't be enough. Um, right. And that's just really great. Now I want to combine that idea with the monster hunter series, like monster hunter world or rise or whatever, where, Mm -hmm. where we all get together and we fight a big thing and the big thing dies. And then we chop up the big thing and make it into gear. Like that's really fun. Also, that game has a lot of like inventory management stuff, creating sort of like traps and poisons, Um, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, trying to do that thing where we sort of counter the monster and feel right. like, not just like we're punching it, but that we're hunting it. And both, both of the games do a really good job. But I think that if you combine them together, you get something even more interesting. And so, oh, sure. so I, that's hard to do in a video game, of course, because of all the production costs and time. But right. when we're just using our imagination,
0: that's done on the cheap. Budget is low. Uh, much you know, lower budget. I, I think, you know, one of one of the most interesting things about uh about like I guess combat theory and things like that. Um, you know, the environment and where you fight is an extremely crucial oh, yeah. uh, decision or uh, point of information regarding the situation that you're about to go into. And I think that when it comes to doing like the whole monster hunting thing, um, I think one of the most satisfying things that, that there could be especially in a pen and paper sense, might not even necessarily be the fight itself, but prepping that... That uh,
1: anticipation.
0: Well, literally prepping the area. Like, coming up with traps and setting them out and stuff when the monster's not actually there yet. And then having that monster come in... And starting to see all the dominoes fall and having this, like, you know, you could even have it be almost like this big Rube Goldberg thing where <laughs> you can have these, like, yeah, mousetrap sure. chain reactions and all kinds of things. Well, and, you, you, you want know, to feel clever. That. Oh, absolutely. right, And, and it needs exactly. to
1: make sense that you can't just, like, walk up and punch it. Although we do want to have some of that. Sure. Um my Sunday group just killed a Tyrannosaurus Rex, which was cool. And they did a whole thing where they tried to draw it out of the cave and then they had a log trap set up.
0: Ooh.
1: And that was really what, cool.
0: What kind of log trap?
1: Like a pendulum.
0: Ah uh, okay. Was it the single log or the double log where they smash something in the middle?
1: Oh no, just single, but double would have been cool, you know? Those Heck yeah, it would have been
0: cool. Uh, those Ewoks, man, they're they're
1: vicious little buggers. So um it was it was really cool because everybody got a chance to kind of express you know how their characters' flavor worked. And this is something where DD is an interesting difference compared to those other games, because in Monster Hunter, like you can do it by yourself or you can do it with pals, but you're all your class is basically like your weapon. And then yeah. like um in, of course, in Witcher, you're just Geralt, right? Or sometimes Ciri. Uh,
0: yeah, and I don't know what else you possibly
1: <laughs> ask for. And, you know, and it totally works for that. But in this case, it we, does. we have lots of different kinds of characters doing different kinds of things in order to achieve the same goal. Um, right. One thing I want to mention is... Uh, I think of Geralt as, like, the Batman of fantasy in a lot of
0: ways. He, and that is absolutely correct.
1: And I like to compare him with the Dovahkiin from Skyrim, you know, who I mm-hmm. think of as, like, like Superman.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> you know, or at least, like, eventually becomes Superman because you can, like, do everything. Like, in and, and at some point, a dragon will fly down and you can literally sock it in the nose. And kill it, you know, <laughs> and like Geralt never really gets to that point, but Geralt gets to have a more engaging experience because of all the the preparation and anticipation right. instead of just, and then you randomly walk by something now overpower it if you can. Right. Oh no, I'm dying. Eat 17 pounds of cheese. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not to say I that mean- one's like better than the other. They're totally different games, but. I just think God, of it. as you an imagine?
0: Comparison. Could you imagine attempting to eat seventeen pounds of cheese <laughs> in one sitting? Like that? That's that sounds like the the egg scene from Cool Hand Luke, right. but just cranked up to a. All right, Luke, sit down here and eat this seventeen pounds of cheese. <laughs> eat that cheese. All right. Open that mouth. Eat that see.
1: cheese. Um. I love that movie, by the way. That's definitely amazing. Eating the cheese. Eating, eating the cheese,
0: boss. Eating the cheese,
1: damn boss. I'll, oh, my gosh. If you've <laughs> never seen Cool Hand Luke, that's your homework. Everybody, go do it. Go do it. Good movie. Um, Totally dig it. Speaking of good movies,
0: uh, saw The Batman. Yeah, me too. And I absolutely loved it. I thought it was very fresh. I didn't know very what, fresh. To, what to think when I heard that. Rob Pattinson was was the right. the pick for this go around. But you know, I I have heard a few dissenting opinions in the Discord, hey, and that's everyone all right. is entitled. Absolutely. That's totally fine. But I
1: am on board. Like Absolutely. I think Pattinson does a phenomenal job. Also, people need to understand great. that you know Twilight was a job he did. Yep. And Frankly, he was even fine in that. It's just that it's not a great story. Frankly, I mean, hey man, I, I know I if, can't even really say that because it's just so subjective, right? Yeah. I, all I can say is I tried to be it was cool not for you. And I tried reading it. I didn't get far. Uh, I saw um, the I saw the first movie. I didn't think much of it. Um, sure. But Pattinson's been in a lot of roles. And he is oh, a yeah. phenomenal actor. And then the other thing I thought of was, I remember what I thought when I heard that Heath Ledger, the, yep. g- the guy I that's knew from exactly the rom- where my cons, head
0: went. Well, and freaking Brokeback Mountain, yeah,
1: Brokeback Mountain, and then you had, um, you know, uh, Ten Things I Hate About You,
0: and Knight's yeah, Tale. Tale, yeah, that's a fun movie, which is also a rom com in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, the the romance angle of that movie did not need to be there. And, so, and so I thought of Keith Ledger
1: as like, you know, he he's a pretty boy. he can do pretty boy roles. And then yep, and then you watch this Joker performance and it's just phenomenal. It's just
0: absolutely like a seminal yeah. work. Just showed me that I am not a casting director. <laughs> well, yeah. And these people know what they're doing.
1: Um, not to mention, other than Pattinson, um, uh, Farrell. What's the first name? Um, Colin Farrell. Yeah, Colin Farrell's Penguin is completely unrecognizable.
0: I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even realize that that was him until I saw the credits. And I was like, get out of here. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Incredible, incredible. And, you know, there were some
1: little decisions here and there where I kind of rolled my eyes or cringed a little bit where I was like kind of seeing some typical superhero fare in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I found myself enjoying this three-hour film and feeling like I'm I'm
0: good for another hour or two. Like, it's been a long time since I saw a you know a serious dark DC movie that that was not leaning into comedy or over the top action you know kind of like Aquaman
1: the the um, action in this movie although it's a little bit fewer and further between is impactful when it happens yes.
0: Yes, Um, I I actually read an article that that compared the Batman to the um, to feeling like a film version of the Rocksteady Arkham Batman games. There definitely a
1: lot of similarities. There, you can definitely tell they did their research. When it came to drawing inspiration from the comics themselves and from other popular mm. media, while also doing a really good job of differentiating itself from the Bale films,
0: yep, I I I loved it. I, how did you feel about the bat suit and the Batmobile? Dude, that Batmobile? I'm I'm
1: not even oh. a, I'm not a car guy by any means. I don't know jack. But that car <laughs> got me it's excited, sexy dude. It's just oh, like there's a scene where he just revs the engine for a while, and it's <laughs> oh, you're like, mm, <laughs> and it, Yeah, it, it was pretty great. The bat suit was also great, uh, I enjoyed it, but more, more importantly. I have to say this, like, and and I hate to say, let me, let me, Mr. Nobody give my, you know, interpretation, like rate, you know, Christopher Nolan as a director who's like far more, you know, he's achieved so much more than I have, you know, at the same time, I will say that my least favorite part of that trilogy was Batman himself. And, yeah. and, again, not to take anything away from Christian Bale as well, who's, of course, a phenomenal actor. Right. He's incredible. I, this That interpretation of Batman, to me, felt flat. And I thought he was a sort of blank character in a lot of ways, surrounded by much more interesting characters. Right. And uh, even including Alfred. And I think Michael Caine is my favorite Alfred of all time.
0: Oh, I... Michael Caine is my favorite <laughs> everything of all, of all time. time. He's Michael Caine,
1: but I am. He gonna is ghost. also
0: my favorite Ebenezer Scrooge of oh, all time. Oh, yes. Oh, wonderful. By wonderful. a mile. He's There's a he, Mr. Humbug. Here comes
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. Every Christmas, it's you got to watch it. It's a classic. You got to watch it several times. Like, if Dickens had a chance to see it, he would have been like, this was an objective improvement on my work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, no hyperbole,
1: no none. Um, <laughs> uh, but I will say, Pattinson, I think, is my absolute favorite Batman. And yeah, you know, not. Uh, I can't take anything away from Kevin Cronroy because I think he's the definitive Batman, if you will. Like, I think that's where I, you, I think that's where you start, and then you compare everything else to that. But I also didn't want Conroy's Batman again because I wanted something fresh. I wanted something different. We've We've seen so many of these movies over and over again and in a lot of ways they rehash a lot of the same stuff. So it was nice to have something that was just a completely different take, particularly on the Bruce Wayne character.
0: Yeah, I you know and and I saw some of this, uh, you know, we were kind of discussing this in the Discord. At least lightly uh, earlier on, and I, to me, the in, including Conroy and and for for what it's worth, including Mark Hamill in the comparison for like the various Jokers and stuff. I I almost don't include them when I think of you know, who my favorite Batman is. Because it's not live action? Yeah, because it's it's a different kind of performance. Your voice acting. And, and that is 100% that this is coming from someone who loves doing stuff with his voice. Voice acting is 100% work. And it oh, takes course. a massive amount of skill. This is not to diminish what Hamill or Conroy do. They are... I think when it comes to the voices of Batman But Joker, let's get to the but they are they are <laughs> definitive but they I don't think that that you really can compare those guys with the with the live action actors because it's it's an it's uh, almost apples to oranges like it's a different kind of performance right like if it was just the voice who's like who's picking christian bale i can or who's picking Patton? i can 100 percent say
1: that they are different right but i can also say i think they're still comparable and it, it just depends okay. on what uh, on what parameters you want to use right i mean that mm. that part's completely up to you because when I look at, let's say, Pattinson's Batman, it's not 100% Pattinson's Batman. It's the director's Batman. It's the writer's Batman. It's the production. Sure. Okay, sure. It, it's this full-on interpretation of a character that is, that is brought to life, right? And, and Bale's is the same way. I don't know if Bale was the one that said, you know, Batman should really sound very gravelly for some reason. Right. Oh, maybe, or, maybe, or if it was Nolan, was told, or mm. what, and how how far that needed to go? Because I mean, it's like a meme that voice. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking about we're Rachel, and it actually kind of works in that scene. But like particularly in rises, it gets really yeah. comical. Um, but even in the others, it's it's pretty bad. Um, I don't like it, but I also am not going to say. You know, I'm a better actor. I'm going to say that anything's wrong with with Bale's acting ability. You watch, you know, Psycho or Ferrari versus Ford. You know, uh, you know, he's absolutely top notch.
0: Oh, he's great.
1: He's great. You know, but I. it's not just him. Right. And, you know, we can we compare Adam West, which is obviously a, a completely different interpretation. And it's he, a TV show, not ask, a film.
0: I was going to ask where Adam West sits in your in your ranking, because he I I feel like he's on. Another so level. he's
1: my third favorite. Well, mm-hmm. fourth favorite. I'll say
0: he's my fourth. Adam I would say West.
1: if you can include everything, everything, you know, number mm-hmm. number one, Robert Pattinson. Maybe it's just because I just saw it. Maybe because it's so different, but I loved it and I want to watch that oh, movie yeah. again. And my second favorite is Kevin Conroy from the cartoon, mm. because I grew up with Batman, the animated series. It was an absolute triumph, and he ended up voicing Batman for so many years that...
0: Oh, he just anytime, is Batman's yeah.
1: canonical voice. If you sit there and read the comics at this point, in my mind, I hear his voice. I hear Ruff. Hamill's voice and Joker. My th- yep. third one, Michael Keaton. I think, I think mm. Michael Keaton had some... Um, had a couple of weird lines, like the "Let's get nuts," <laughs> you know, moment. <laughs> um, but I think he actually plays the subtle madness of Batman a little bit better than some of the others did. Like mm. it, it's there if you kind of look for it. Um, although I'll have with, to go back, he's man. actually less interesting when he's in the bat suit. So that's that's kind of a knock against him. And mm. and then after that is basically everybody else. Uh, so I guess it would be Adam West because I also watched a lot of that growing up.
0: Oh and, yeah, and man, I, and I
1: enjoyed that show a lot. And it's just, again, it's just a completely different take. And I haven't well, seen every version of this character ever, but uh, it's a
0: very, it's also a very kid-friendly Batman. You know that that was oh, back for sure. yeah. before Batman got like real. Hardcore, at least for viewing audiences. Right, yeah. Um, I obviously I I didn't start reading any of the comics until I I mean I think the first comics I actually read were probably in college. I didn't have them at all when I was a kid. So um the comic side of things was very uh I didn't have access to that. But for TV You know, when when you're a little kid watching like the the Dark Knight kind of Batman like that, that'd be a little rough where, you know, Adam West was, you know, let's have some Batman fun. Absolutely. With my with my shark repellent. Yeah, I mean, it's campy, you know, and yeah, and all the
1: villains were wonderfully campy and uh, it, it was just a lot of fun.
0: Um, oh man how, how about the uh, how about how how far has the Riddler come? Oh my god those days <laughs> we I was sitting in the movie theater looking at my brother-in-law and he's like, man the, the Riddler has come a long way since Jim Carrey. And I thought back to, to Adam West Batman. And I was like, yeah, well, the, Boy the, and the
1: Jim Carrey interpretation is, is much more similar with the, with Adam West and uh, yeah, what happened in that one. And, uh, sort of stuff that we often see. We see the green suit, the green hat, all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and he's sort of this comical character. Um, if you never played the Batman Telltale games, mm-hmm. uh, I would highly recommend them. This film was actually really similar to that. Nice. And the Riddler's characterization was also very similar. Um, ah, interesting. Yes. Um, so I wonder if they if they took some inspiration there. Um, there's a lot of things in common with that first game, and the the Riddler's is quite terrifying. Um. Actually, I think the Riddler might have been in the second one. Yeah, the Riddler's in the second Batman Telltale game. Interesting. Uh, but he's also quite scary compared to some of his other counterparts. I watched this film with my daughter, and she was definitely getting a little freaked out by him. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, if you want to hold on to me, you know, or if you have to walk out, that's totally fine. But she was brave and, and, and got through it,
0: and uh, she did a good job. So Good. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you guys had fun. I'm, yeah, we had a good time. It's a terrific movie. But hey, we have yes, uh, introed for half the episode. Yes, we um, have. Yeah. So what do you got for us tonight? So young man.
1: As I mentioned earlier, I I guess in a way I can kind of tie in what we've been talking about so far because the world built in the Batman is, is quite interesting. And the world. Uh, that I'm going to be building in this next game is also, I think it's interesting. I hope it will be interesting. So what I want to talk about is, of course, world building Hmm. and kind of what goes into that. And since that's such a gigantically massive topic. Yeah, it sure is. You know, world size. uh, I wanted to use as my guide the ultimate RPG Game Master's World-Building Guide, uh, written by uh, James D'Amato. Mm. And this book was gifted to me by Spike, so thank you, Spike. Nice. Um, but you can find this book um, at any Barnes & Noble. It's typically there. Or, of course, just order it online. But there's also a player version. It's a bit of a workbook, which I really, mm. really enjoy. So you open it up. And it's got like tables, and it's got little blank spaces to write ideas, and check boxes, and um,
0: so it's it is it is made to be marked up.
1: Yeah, it's kind of made to be marked up, and cool. uh, it's it's been pretty fun. Uh, I want to just open up where he talks about what world building is, and by the way, we should totally get this guy on the show. At some point. What is world building? World building is the process of creating places, objects, characters, culture, and history for a fictional setting. It also involves finding ways for concepts like these to exist in the same space. Effective world building makes a setting compelling, approachable, and clear. World building is about making choices. Big structural decisions like, is there time travel? And, do dragons exist? Small decisions like, how many raiding groups are vying for control of the wasteland? And, does this monster have claws, teeth, or both? Mm. Even seemingly insignificant decisions like, is the bartender in a good mood? And, does this wizard read for fun? Mm. To some readers, this might be a frustratingly broad definition. After all, that means anything you create could be an element of world building. My answer to that is, yeah, I know why. That's why I wrote... I know that's why I wrote this book. Mm,
0: yeah, there's, there's a lot to the idea of world building. I mean, that's that's what I I tried to um, work in with spectacular settlements and dangerous destinations to a certain extent, um, because with those, you know, we're we're trying to make these places so that they can be dropped into any world or setting um, at least assuming that it's like a, you know, some form of fantasy setting, but you could even adjust it.
1: Well, in speaking of which he separates the book into different genres and the first one Mm. that's covered is fantasy. Sure. And, And so that's very helpful. What I, so that's another thing I like about it. It's about RPGs, but not necessarily just Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Having said that, I'm, of course, going to spend more time in fantasy, probably, than other things. Because that's just kind of my MO. It's the place I like to play. Yep. So, one of the first things that he does is he gives us 20 questions that we can answer. Uh And and he actually creates it like a rollable table, reminiscent of stuff graded by Andrew.
0: All right. Right?
1: So... Uh, I guess this idea of creating rollable tables to develop um, inspiration uh, is something that only smart people come up with.
0: Fantastic! I have validation! <laughs> Hooray! I'm not as crazy as I thought. Having said
1: that... Oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. Instead <laughs> of rolling on this table, I'm just going to go down the list. And then I want you... To answer the questions.
0: So so you and I are going to make a quick world. Ooh,
1: quick world. All right. Yes, quick world. You have to write this time. (laughs) The the only parameter is that it is fantasy. Got it. Okay. Got it. So I've already gone through all 20 questions and made notes about my new world that I'm going to be running. And it has helped me a lot. So, here we go. All right. Number one. Is magic present in this world? If so, how common is
0: it? Hmm. Yes, and you know what? We're going to say uncommon. Hmm, uncommon. Okay. Any reason for that? Because I, I want magic to feel to feel special uh, and rare you know like sure. if mag- if if magic's everywhere nothing's magical
1: right sure sure yeah so we don't have street sweepers using prestidigitation in order to keep the city clean necessarily
0: we sure don't so if so a, a player has cosmic power
1: there you go so it's considered very important and we might Be able to build more on this idea as we continue, but let's go on to the next question. Okie dokie. What major event in this world's history is remembered largely inaccurately? Oh, that's an interesting question. I know. Yeah, these are there's a lot of interesting ones here. So, an event that people don't really remember accurately, as we often do in our own history. Mm. Let's
0: say the hmm now are are there i i'm guessing that at least the way the book approaches it like it literally could be anything but are they thinking things that are like literally on a global scale like like how the continents were formed Formed, or is it more like? I think that's um, up to
1: you, my guy. I think it could okay. be, um, how did this big rock in the middle of town get there? Or a lot of times mm. cities have a big tree. Is there a reason for that? Um, gotcha. You know, is there, is there, so it history? is
0: really as broad as it sounds.
1: Yes. Okay. It could, could also be something like, why is this political class
0: so impoverished? Right. All right. So, we're gonna say because this is the first thing that popped into my head. Sure. Um, how how the continents were formed? Okay, great. So, what do people think, and do we have an in-
1: inkling of the truth? And just go with the first thing you can think of.
0: Okay. So, run that. Run those by me again. What What do people think happened? Yeah. What? Do, why do people? What do people think happened to form the continents? People think that tectonic plates. Shifted. And s- and so the scientific split.
1: explanation is the false
0: one. Yes, correct. I like it. I like it. So what's the what's the truth then? A god with a big magic hammer broke them up. <laughs> he said, "These need this this landmass is too big. We need more smaller <laughs> landmasses." I got it. Big chisel, big hammer, wham, wham, wham. Oh my boom, god! Boom, continents. That is great. I
1: like it. I want to play in this world already. And we've only done two questions.
0: I do too. Because this place <laughs> sounds
1: dumb enough to be right at home for me,
0: right? <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't think it sounds dumb. I think it sounds rad.
1: There's no difference. We've already established this, Andrew. This is this is your true. modus operandi. Do the dumb That's thing. True. That's true. Why is true. it good enough for you, but not for the gods? The gods are like, you know what the dumb thing would be? That's true.
0: <laughs> and you know, if you take the word dumb and you keep one letter, cut one letter in half, get rid of one letter and change one letter to F, you get fun. <laughs> Right? <laughs> that is technically correct. And that's the best kind of correct. <laughs> that's the best kind of
1: correct. I dig it. Okay. Here's the third question. Are you okay. ready? Okay. I am ready, Freddy. What happens to people when they die? Ooh. I know. Ooh. I love yeah. that.
0: Yes. They, ah, they move over to... There's, there's a, I don't know if I, if mirror is the right word, but basically there's an alternate plane kind of like the Shadowfell or I guess, I think the Feywild is like this too, where it's like laid right over the top of everything else, but it's an entire spirit world where they continue going, going on with their lives and stuff. And interesting sub point about this that's popping into my head. Basically, when something is created in the physical world, like if you build a house, the the thing you build has a spirit analog. Interesting.
1: Okay, so to this end, building things like shrines and temples might have extra significance.
0: It's a big deal. It's a big deal to, to do something like that. You okay. could even consider those like um, like a nexus point or a place mm-hmm. where it's where it might be easier to reach from one side to the other or have that kind of communication, that sort of thing. That could be neat.
1: Now that could raise interesting questions about why your hammer god broke up the continents. Maybe there's a you connection bet. there. Right? It really could be. Or why magic's rare there's all there's always these ways that we can start connecting these dots but anyway yes indeedy. the fourth question which
0: creatures are capable of speech mm. all the creatures which are not creatures that are incapable of speech that is not at all helpful <laughs> no it's not at all um so like like which creatures Which creatures are capable of
1: speech? So this could be like, which major races are we going to be playing with? Do monsters talk? Like in Theros, dragons don't speak, and they're basically big beasts. Oh. But in the Forgotten Realms, they're extremely intelligent, except white dragons, they're kind of dumb. But they can all talk, right? Right. And so, but then you could go even further and we can say, do woodland animals talk. Like when Krunk speaks squirrel, like, is it just known that some people can speak squirrel? Like, is that a, is that a Ah, thing? Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Here we go. Or do they
1: outright speak English and all rats have New York accents? Like
0: how far do we want to take this? Everything. Okay. There we go. Everything. That doesn't mean that everything can speak to everything, but everything has its own language that you it is it is theoretically possible to find that language and transcribe it. So like Kronk could learn to speak squirrel where he got that information. Who knows? Right. But, By the way,
1: I love to do this whenever a player cast speak with animal in d and Yep. I know it's not supposed to be this way, but I completely house rule it where they full-on take on human personalities. They're completely personified.
0: Um, you know, there, there aren't many things when it comes to D&D where I will straight up say that there is a right and a wrong way to do something. But the speak with animals thing forget what's in the books. Anthropomorphize those animals. Give them personalities. It's just objectively more fun.
1: I think it is. My Full players stop. have always loved it. They, they've always loved it. And But it doesn't change their predilections necessarily as animals that would take like a awaken spell to do. Oh, sure. But like their, their thoughts and feelings are in or interpreted into a human way of understanding. Right. And so it adds personification where we might not see it otherwise, but they are still animals. Super Um, fun. Yeah. Okay. So I like this. I, I even more want to play in this world now. All right. Now this one's really fun. What is special about the shape of the world? Ooh, like Pharaoh's for instance, is a disc. Um, so it was, of course, Discworld from, Disc
0: <laughs> from the Terry Pratchett novels. <laughs> That's right. Right. And uh, what's interesting about the shape?
1: You could have like ring worlds, donut worlds.
0: Yeah, I, I actually, I know. Um, you get a pyramid world. <laughs> I, that crossed my mind too. Um, I And think- marble being held by an alien. Oh, my God. The possibilities are endless. Um, Hmm. Ooh, you know what? Let's have it be, ah, okay. We're going to have it be, it was initially a sphere. Okay. But when that god came down and used his hammer. Okay. Okay. He basically originally the landmass was like a Pangea. It was one big landmass. Everything else was water. He comes down, mm. he goes boom, and he smites right smack into the center of this thing and splits these pieces off. Just one big, you know, cracking cataclysm. Mm-hmm. So basically that impact, imagine it creating this massive crater so take like a ball of clay a perfect sphere and then push in on one spot where it basically makes it almost into a bowl okay bowl world i like it but there's surface still all the way around right
1: right totally gotcha that can be really interesting When it comes to, like, weather conditions and what kind of Uh, creatures might thrive or die off in that sort of area. It'll be insane. Right? You know, somebody
0: who's actually a geologist or whatever is listening to me going, this guy's a freaking idiot. (laughs)
1: Yes, but being an idiot is what makes interesting world building. So, checkmate, geologist. They said that I'd never
0: amount to anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My weakness has become my strength. That's right. (laughs) Okay, Embrace it, kids. Although it would be interesting to go into, well, what would happen if it actually remained viable? What might those conditions be like? And that could be an interesting question. Oh, yeah. Okay, number six. What unseen forces have
0: power here? Mm. The honestly, the entire spirit world. So the gods, any well, like people like don't know, right? Interesting. Yeah. So the entire spirit world can impact the 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 waking living world, including like you know you have the spirits of people, but you also have uh beings and creatures like you know you imagine the gods themselves angels demons stuff like that where they are able to interact from an unseen uh position as well this might also help explain why magic's a little bit more rare
1: if they're not understanding that perhaps the use of magic is simply tapping into that world right so that's kind of interesting um Yeah, I dig it. So people might not even understand the significance of the things that they're building. Right. Or making until it's either apparent to them or it's too late, depending. Right. You know, that's fascinating. Okay. Um, Is there a place here known for peace? Is it easy to find?
0: Known for peace? Yeah. Uh... Is
1: there a safe zone? And can I know about it slash get there easily?
0: I I would say, I'm actually going to say no. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at least not in the, you know, uh, Switzerland, you know, constantly sworn to neutrality. Like, you know, no, no blades are allowed, kind of. There's nothing like that. It's just... You know, it's a normal world. Hostilities can break out anywhere. You know, whether a government, you know, what a what that place does to police things, who knows. But right. I don't I don't think there's anywhere where it's like just you know, if like, you go here you will be objectively safe guaranteed. Right. So there's no like
1: city of gold that you can go and, and right. find if you Follow the map clues. Exactly right. Okay. (laughs)
0: Eldorado.
1: Right? Because as soon as people found it, they ruined it, right? Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, great. No, that makes that easy. Uh, Number eight. What mystery has gone unsolved for as long as almost anyone can remember?
0: Mm, How many licks does it take (laughs) to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Um mystery that has gone unsolved for practically ever. Um, Man, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank on this one. Okay. You have any suggestions? Okay. So
1: a mystery that has gone unsolved. Um, It could have to do with inhabitants of your concave section of your world or maybe people in the concave section believe they are the only inhabitants of the world so in, in a way it could almost be like an allegory of the cave and your your outer worlds and inner worlds could be somewhat unaware of each other um another mm. way to go with it might be to introduce a completely new plot element
0: um for instance oh, sure i i i just I think I just got it. Okay. How to travel between the bowl, the between the inside to the outside.
1: All right. And how does it work?
0: You know what? Scratch that. I don't like it. When I said it, I it popped into my head and I was like, yes, but then I verbalized it and it's not working for
1: me. Well, one thing you might do is where did the monsters come from? Where do the, you know, uh, bad guy army, where does that come from? Um, Hey, suddenly there was orcs. Why? Uh, Could be the mysterious assassination of the emperor.
0: Let's see. The, ah, here we go. Why is there any magic in the world today?
1: Mm, Like, why does this magic exist at all?
0: At all. And the okay. answer is that where that hammer struck at mm. the very deepest point of the bowl is like the, what is, it, what is it called? Like the Marianas Trench or something. It's like the one of the deepest parts of the ocean. Okay. At the very bottom, there is a literal crack that, that goes between the spirit world and... And the material world. And it basically created like a magical leak. Like a fissure. Yeah. Okay, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I dig it. Like the core of the earth is actually like a portal.
0: Yeah. So like if you actually managed to swim down there without the pressure just squishing you like a bug, you could pass through it and physically enter the spirit realm
1: right but of course it's a two-way street and they can get out right correct correct right okay that's really now does
0: something guard that fissure who knows who knows
1: that could come up right i like what started out as like a silly idea has turned into like an actual mythology
0: (laughs) here well and just goes to show you the technique freaking works right
1: well yeah absolutely Ah. and all we've By the way, you know, this whole episode is taking place on essentially two pages of this book. And so there's a lot to do with it, right? (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. And and we can get into a a lot of detail here. But I like just starting with these 20 questions because, as you you know as well as I do, that world building is a fast path to burnout. And so (laughs) we have to be really, really careful to resist that inclination to fully realize a world before we even play in it. We need to, we need to understand broad strokes and then we need to get started. Right. Your experience of building this, this world needs to be collaborative with your players. And that's actually something else that the author says at the front of this book, that it needs to be a collaborative effort. And so I don't think it's his expectation that you completely finish his book and then you begin play, right? I think they need to go hand in hand. And my most successful experience in world building has come from doing just that, yep. C- creating very broad strokes, zooming in on a tight area of space, and building out and yep. letting the players, through their decisions, determine just about everything and it's um, it's
0: also just much more manageable. It's much more manageable,
1: it's much more fun because you don't like you don't want to like write out the whole thing and then be like boy that was a lot of work. Yep. Now do I want to go play in this sandbox? Well, not really. I already know everything. Yeah. You you as the creator want to also enjoy discovery within your own world. That's very true. Yeah. So that would be probably the best advice i could give when it comes to this sort of thing and that was a nice little
0: interlude yeah so quick question how many how many questions do we have left and okay would it be a good idea to break this into a two-parter
1: um yeah it could be Uh, i'll give you the choice we can either two-part this thing or we can do lightning round on the second half
0: I wouldn't mind doing a two-parter only because this is a great idea and I okay, think it sure. merits taking taking the time. So let's do, let's say we'll do. Let's do the 10th question. Okay, let's do the 10th question and then we'll do the rest next time. And we can also kind of discuss um,
1: putting okay. it all
0: together, right? Okay, so 9 and 10, I guess. I still have two more. Um,
1: What is something very commonly understood and what is something considered
0: secret knowledge? Hmm. What is something commonly understood? And that's, you know, stuff like gravity or. Sure. uh, Yeah. Let's see. And that
1: might be something we need to introduce to the players that this world does work a little bit differently. Now, your characters know this and everyone else knows this, but we can. Deliver this information through some interesting exposition up front.
0: Um, everybody, everybody knows that everybody knows that you can travel the world by ship and that there is an outside and an inside to the bowl. Okay. So they, they know that you can, what is it? Circumnavigate. The, okay. Okay. The planet, as it were, and Interesting. what what was the what was the second part?
1: Well, it's basically the opposite. What is something oh. that is a, that is secret?
0: Nobody knows about the fissure. Okay,
1: nobody knows, or at least very few people know about the fissure itself at the center of the impact. Right, likely because of the pressure of getting there. Right,
0: and also. For for all any you know, it, nobody knows. So I mean, it's it may be irrelevant, but the gods may be um, basically obf, uh, obfuscate, obfuscating <laughs> it, or or if I wasn't trying to use pretentious language, hiding. The <laughs> gods are hiding it, like. <laughs> It's like, oh, right. You have to travel through the wordy? mist or something, right,
1: right? Right. Yeah, sure. That that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I dig it. Cool. Okay, and maybe we could even have the other mystery of what is that threshold guardian, right? That exists in that space.
0: I am actually thinking that it's not even uh, a a being. It's more like a you know, like a force of nature or something like. Sort like of you weather Im- condition. Yeah, you know, you imagine the the mists in Ravenloft or something like that. Right, it's not yeah. a person, but it's definitely a noticeable entity.
1: Right, right, right. right. Okay,
0: final question of the night. All
1: right. Which is too bad because the second half is even better, I think. Yeah, um, I think for a great episode, I'm excited. <laughs> I, I guess so. Which landmark stands as a permanent reminder of a major event? Wow, I feel like we've already understood. You know what? Okay, here's what I'm going to say. You cannot use the fissure again.
0: <laughs> oh, man!
1: No, I totally... I, I you really got to say something it. new. So, All right. What? which landmark stands as a permanent reminder of a major event?
0: Describe it. Mm, the... Ah, uh, okay. The... um. We're going to call them the Rim Ridge Mountains Ooh. that basically around the top edge of the bowl. There are there's a mountain range that goes all the way around, but the mountains sometimes dip below the water. So passage through the mountains via ship can happen, but not just Anywhere, It's like, uh, you know, imagine like the Panama Canal or something like that. You know, there are gaps in this mountain chain where the mountains dip far below the water's surface. But basically, you imagine when that hammer blow hit and pushed things out and away, you did have these plates underneath that were pushed up and came up out of the water. So if you were to pull way out into space, you'd see what's essentially a rough, like a ring of spines around that upper edge of the bowl. All right, cool. So
1: it's got a spiky rim of mountains, which would also make for really cool-looking vistas. Like, I was imagining the players on their ship because, of course, if you're going to run a campaign in this in this world, they have to traverse this, right? Oh, yeah. So they're, like, sailing along, and the horizon is gone. Like, you just can't see it anymore. And you're passing through these, like, mountain pink peaks with this great waterfall. And then suddenly gravity is, like, shifting as you're passing along it. Holy cow. Crap, that sounds trippy. And watching New Horizon form as you curve along this thing. Uh, pretty interesting, right?
0: Y- yeah, it actually is. Wow. And
1: I, have, and I have to imagine they would have to have some sort of technology or something that would allow them to essentially sail or steer as they come over this curve. Yeah. Right, and uh, that's very fascinating. So, like, or if this was you happening just in a have film-
0: you have sailors, you have guys on oars who are just yoked, <laughs> like, <laughs> just <laughs> just shoulders that are like eight <laughs> feet wide. Like, what do you do? Do you even row, bro? <laughs> They're
1: just. These
0: Robro's. He just, just, they're Robro's. They can't, they have a hard time walking through standard doorways. Cause Uh,
1: yes. So built. This is, this is our new inspiration point character invention. The Robro's,
0: the Robro
1: joining the, the echelons of, of people like uh, the Bayou barbarians.
0: And that's right. The Robro and, and Mortimer, right? Yeah. And good old Mortimer. And, um, and Todd, let us and, and Todd. not forget Curse Todd.
1: Of Todd. Yep. Curse of yep. Todd, yeah. Curse of Todd. Also,
0: speaking of Todd, I, I meant to say this early in the episode, but I do need to make a clarification in service to our good pal, Leroy, who made it a point to correct me that he is not a volunteer firefighter. He is, in fact, an employed firefighter. He does it. For money, not out of the goodness of his heart. So, I just want to make sure that y'all knew, and I want to set the record straight. While he's he's the real deal. deal. He's the real deal, so you pay for the real deal. Don't, don't call him to f- fight your fires if he ain't getting paid. Your house is going to burn down. And and rightfully so. (laughs) And rightfully so. That'll learn you. Or or something. Get a job. Get a job. (laughs) You don't want your house to burn down? Well, you got to do your part. (laughs) You know, people just... Expecting that other people will just help them not have their stuff burned to the ground.
1: To be fair, I think Leroy's dealing with problems beyond, um, I fell asleep and a cigarette burned down my house.
0: I think he's, yeah, he's dealing with people who fell asleep and a cigarette burned their forest down. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little much, it's pretty much a bigger deal, right? And definitely not a laughing matter. <clears throat> I apologize for our, <laughs> for our callous remarks. Yeah, forest. Only you can prevent forest fires. Anyway, <laughs> I see. think
1: I think that should uh, signal that it is time for us to wrap up.
0: All right. Well, first, I just want to say thank you for this topic. This is. I didn't. I had no clue what the topic was going to be tonight and I am pleasantly surprised and good, uh, good. this this was very exciting. I was not planning on building a world anytime soon and now I've <laughs> got this half-formed bowl world just floating <laughs> around in my brain so thanks for that.
1: <laughs> this is all just part of my ploy to get you to run another game, but this time with a homebrew world. Oh, my God. But, you know, and you say half-baked, like, but that's really the key here. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, kids, only half-bake your world. Because if you full-bake this thing, you're going to hate it. You're yep. not going to want to play in it. Yep. Only only half-bake it so that there is more baking to be discovered. You must and. do this, otherwise you will be burned out. Don't burn the world you are baking.
0: That's right. You underbake it so it's delicious and chewy still.
1: Yeah, you want it moist in the center. It needs to be
0: mm. it needs to be lava cake. Yeah, or like a like a perfect chewy chocolate chip cookie. Mmm. Mmm. Like the the homemade one where when you bite into it, it's like just you know you get something soft enough to chew on with a little bit of crisp on the outside mm-hmm. and it's like buttery with a little tiny bit of salt to it but not too much all oh, or dude. perhaps like a souffle mm, perhaps like a souffle yes oh, man i'm hungry now <laughs> mm, man and speaking of hungry if you're hungry for more inspiration point head on over To patreon.com slash inspiration point and support us at the one, five, or twenty dollar level. And you can join us over on Patreon and fulfill that hunger for inspiration. And come hang out with us over on our Discord. And if you support us at the $20 level, you can get you can just glut out on inspiration (laughs) by jumping in. To a game run by Mr. Adam Power here, who has just shown us how proficient he is at creating worlds. And you get to be in one of them and have yourself a dandy old time.
1: By the way, that world is
0: also totally (laughs) half-baked. Just like everything we do here at (laughs) Inspiration Point. That's right. (laughs) That's part of the brand. It is. It's part of the brand. Half-baked, but but an extra helping of the secret ingredient. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Which is? It's love. The secret you know,
1: ingredient is love. It is for everything. All the endeavors that we perform, we must do so with love in our hearts for the craft that we
0: are performing as well as those who will consume it. Man, you said that well. Very, very good. And Thank you. you know when I when I said is I I pointed at my monitor as if you were sitting right here like across the table like I was pointing to you like all right you go but you can't see my finger and I'm sitting here feeling like an idiot <laughs> like just pointing <laughs> at it an inanimate object like it's gonna say something to me anyway so head on over to Patreon. And if you want an even easier way to get over to Patreon, head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com because that's easier to type than Patreon. Um, Head on over to our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com and there you can find all our episodes as well as three buttons in the upper right-hand corner if you are on desktop or in the top center if you are on mobile And those will take you to our Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon, respectively, and you can engage with us in all those places as well. So, thank you all for joining us, and I hope that this episode has inspired you to create your own worlds. I know it has for me, whether I want to or not, (laughs) Um, you know... Incidentally, what you could do is while you're listening to this episode, I know we're saying this at the end of the episode, and uh, but you know, better late than never, go back and listen to those questions and try to answer them for yourself. And then next time when we come back for part dos, we'll get the rest of it and you can finish out your world, and we can all have some cool half-baked worlds together and if you're over on our discord you can share it with us and we can talk about it and see if you can come up with something more ridiculous than me Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that is a high bar so until next time everybody stay inspired bye bye bye
1: everybody a
0: bull shaped world I what was I thinking
1: and maybe all the ships look like spoons. Oh my god!
0: Is there a reason that that would work? It can be
1: when it's fantasy.
0: Ah, uh, we're going with the. It works because it's magic. <laughs> uh, yeah, but hmm, well, you know, it's well. Uh, it's your
1: world. You do what you want. Feel free to go do a Matt Pat level investigation of the physics of Bull World. Or you can just say it's magic. Did you want to play D or not?
0: <laughs> Bam! That's fantasy world game design, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hand wave it. Hand Good wave. Good night, everybody. Yay!
1: Yeah, Yay! Yeah, indeed.
0: Yay! Yeah, Yay! Yeah. Bye bye.